You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Mindfulness is presence, awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity, and there are many health benefits from practicing mindfulness and meditation, from lowering blood pressure to increased longevity. Perhaps most importantly in today's chaotic world, mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate to ourselves as well as others. As a successful senior executive on Wall Street, a dedicated philanthropist, and a mom, Mary Basson found herself burned out at 34. She found science-based hypnosis practices as a way to reduce stress and deprogram harmful beliefs and soon started sharing that knowledge with others. In addition to over a decade of working with talented women who had lost their zest for life, she also responded to the worldwide mental health crisis by starting a nonprofit platform, mindgift.org, which offers free mental health tools, such as hypnosis audios, from thought leaders and top trainers in the transformation industry to anyone, anywhere. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Teresa. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you. Interesting topic today. So we should probably start with what hypnosis is exactly, since there are quite a few myths out there about it. Yes, there sure are. So hypnosis is nothing more than a narrowing of attention. We are in trances all day long. We go in and out of different trances. We're in a trance of not good enough. We're in a trance of don't have enough time. We're in a trance when we're driving a car and we're no longer even paying attention to where we're going because our brain has an automatic program now, which is driving. And when we're watching a movie is a really good example. If you weren't in a trance with that narrowed attention, you would be aware of what the director's doing and the lighting and all of the things that are going on in the background. But we're not. We we cry when it's sad or we jump when it's exciting. And that's because we are in a trance. So it's simply allowing you to go into that narrowed relaxation where you're focusing on something specific. And when you're relaxed, it allows the suggestions of your choice to slip right into that subconscious mind. Great. That's really a good explanation. And you know, I do want to say it's a little bit interesting. A lot of people don't realize that guided meditations are considered a form of hypnosis, right? Because you're talking someone through to get focused on that topic. So that ties right in. Yes. What are some of the benefits of hypnosis? Well, the benefits of hypnosis are, are numerous. The first benefit is just 
no matter what hypnosis you're doing, you're likely getting very good relaxation. And we know that when we go into those slower brainwave states, we are actually going into healing states. It's good for our body. So it's relaxing our nervous system, which improves immunity and all of that. But of course, what we're going for when we're doing the hypnosis is we're going for a change of some kind. We're wanting to change a behavior or change a belief. And the hypnosis allows us to do that very surgically and very intentionally. Oh, interesting. I guess I'm wondering, are there any side effects or downsides to hypnosis or is it good for everyone? Um, well, you wouldn't want to do it while driving. <laughs> Apart from that, um, hypnosis is good for just about everyone. It's more effective if you choose to go along with the suggestions. Now, people that like to argue and like to pick out exceptions to things aren't the best candidates for hypnosis. So if I say to someone, okay, so you want to get on top of all of this because you're feeling weighted down and you're feeling under it. So I'd like you to imagine that you're going to float up high and just notice all the spaces. You're floating way up here, looking down there at that work that you have. If you go along with that, you will get a sense of spaciousness. You will get some distance between you and what was bogging you down before. But of course you can say, oh, that's silly. I can't fly. And then you won't get any of the benefits. So it's really up to the participant in terms of what result they get from hypnosis. Got it. And I guess the next question I have is really related to the similarity between what I think is a similarity between meditation and hypnosis, which is a rewiring of the brain. So does hypnosis do that also? Hypnosis is the ultimate rewiring of the brain because we can be very particular about how it is we want to rewire. So with meditation over time, as I understand it, your circuitry becomes more relaxed. You're, you're better at um, sort of stepping away mentally from things, observing, and you will have more calmness in your nervous system. With hypnosis, you can also add to that changes in how you would like to respond to something. So you can wire, you can change your wiring so that you no longer are responding, for instance, the way you might have responded when you were five years old, when you would get feedback or criticism. Believe it or not, adults do respond in childlike ways many times. And we can change that once we have that awareness. And then once we get clarity on how we would like to be instead, we can almost copy and paste how we want to be in certain situations. So let's say you're shy to speak in public, but let's say you're really good at having a couple friends at your house and showing them some things. So you can take the feeling of confidence and generosity that you have when you're sharing with friends one-on-one -on -one or in a small group, and you can copy and paste that to sharing on a very large scale if you choose. So it's very surgical almost. You're, you're prescribing how you want to be different. Well, that sounds like an excellent tool. I know you work a lot with women in midlife 
And I think midlife is the best stage of life. I, I would never go back. <laughs> but I know some think the extreme opposite. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Well, you know, it's interesting because a recent study came out about midlife from the National Bureau of Economic Research, which is very highly respected. And they said that it is the most stressful life period with the highest rate of alcoholism, depression, suicide, and anxiety. And this was done across 10 wealthy countries. And I 100% agree with you that it can be the best, the best stage of your life. The reality, unfortunately, for a lot of women is that they're just pulled in many directions. You know, we're running businesses, we're taking care of children still, even if they're grown, and sometimes aging parents. And then menopause comes along and that can throw you a real loop. And then we throw in everything else that's happening in politics, in division, in society, economic stressors, and, and it can be a lot. What's great is that we can calm our nervous systems. We can choose to be in resourceful states so that we respond rather than react to things. And we can wire ourselves for confidence, for radiance, for being connected to our magic. These are some of the things that, that I do with my clients on a regular basis. And then when you do that, you have a completely different experience of reality. Well, we do live in a very youth-oriented society. So I'm, is that along the lines of what you tell women over 45 who feel like their youth is fading? Uh, you know, I love to give examples of women who do something new after the age of 50. And I, I work with clients 40 and over, but there are so many incredible examples from Ernestine Shepard, who went bathing suit shopping with her sister at 56 and didn't love her body in the mirror. And she started bodybuilding. And photos of her at 75 years old are just astounding. I mean, what she did with her body and how many women she's inspired. And she's still a personal trainer for senior women at 87. Wow. And there are so many stories like this. Ariana Huffington started the Huffington Post at 55. There are um, women, there's a woman that I love to talk about. Her name's Dorothy Custer. And she celebrated her 102nd birthday by parachuting off a 500 foot bridge because she says, I can. And, and she doesn't even consider herself old because she keeps herself busy. So I have many stories like this. Flo Mueller, she took up track and field at 60 years old and then proceeded to win I think it was something like 14, no, have 15 world records. And it just goes on and on. So it's really just a question of what we focus on, what we believe we can do, and then making sure that we take the next smallest step to get us to those goals. That's impressive. Well, so what does hypnotherapy do to combat a lack of motivation? Okay, so a lack of motivation is a real issue now because a lot of a lot of people got um, sort of demotivated during COVID when they couldn't go out and 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 clearly social interaction is very important for us as as humans. So one of the first things to do is to make sure that you are running energy through your body. 
it's important that we as women can take life force in and then generate energy from our body. So moving, dancing, exercising, taking in energy is, is just is something that's very important. And if you're not feeling motivated, a big, an important thing to do if you're not feeling motivated is to ask yourself why. So a lot of times there's fear. Perhaps there is something that you want to do, but you're not sure you can actually do it. So then that little voice inside of us says, oh, don't even try. You know, what's the point? Um, another thing is that we might think too far out in the future. When we're too far out in the future, we don't have answers to things that we will have when we move farther out in the future. Another thing that um, creates a lack of motivation is a lack of growing. We have to be expanding our minds and our consciousness. And when we do that, when we are growing and expanding, we naturally are more motivated to, to do things. Um, perfectionism is also an energy, uh, enemy of motivation. There's many reasons and there's many ways that we can change those habits. We get into habits of not doing as much and then the brain reverts to what's familiar. So once we get in those habits, we can tend to get stuck in them. So we have to be conscious about deciding to break a habit. I understand, I think. And so you would target each of the, you know, whatever the issue is through hypnotherapy to start rewiring the brain to help you support those habits? Yes. Well, what I like to do is I work with my clients three ways. First, with a conscious mind. Well, what are your goals? What's important to you? How does that fit into your values? What are the roadblocks? What 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 gives you trouble in terms of, of doing this? Then we work with the subconscious mind. Where are the viruses on the hard drive of your brain that need to be removed? And we almost all have these. And they, they, they come before the age of seven, typically, as imprints. So we might have been on a playground um, and we might have gotten excited about something that we want to share with some others. And then they make fun of us. And then what happens? We start a belief that, oh, I shouldn't put myself out there. I shouldn't, I shouldn't share something that I created or whatever it is. And then we look for more evidence of that being dangerous. So then every time we're admonished or dismissed, we add that as proof. And then soon before we know it, there's a conscious program that says, don't share your gifts. Don't put yourself out there. Don't take a risk. And we, we have to become aware of this, but we also have to work with the subconscious mind going in, healing those old imprints. You don't have to heal all of them. Usually just a couple will sort of knock the legs of the table down. And then we create a new meaning and we focus on how we want, want to be and why. And then I also work with the body, sensual movement, getting energy into the body and getting stuck emotions out of the body. Too many times we have emotions that are not moving and we can move them through with breath, with sound and with movement. Excellent. This sounds fascinating. Can you share any quick ways our listeners could go from anxious to calm in alignment with what you do in your work? Yes. So 
gosh, there's so many ways to be calm. I like doing different breath work. There's uh, one breath that's called the physiological sigh that um, it's something that animals do when they get afraid. It's something that we naturally do when we're crying. And it's just two um, in-breaths and then a longer out-breath. So it goes like this. And you just do multiple of those. And it's very quick to calm the nervous system. I also like a four, seven, eight breath. Breathe in for four, hold it for seven, breathe out for eight. Um, and honestly, I like listening to hypnosis to change um, our state. But if we can't do that, we can simply take a couple deep breaths. We can relax our jaw because when we relax our jaw, we relax our vagus nerve. We can relax the back of our tongue. We can become aware of where we are focusing. It's most likely in the past or in the future, bring ourselves back to the present. And then what do we want to be focusing on? And what empowering meaning can we put to that? It's very mindful. <laughs> so that ties right into what we do as well. I yeah. was trying to relax the back of my tongue. I wasn't really aware of it before. Tell us a little bit about your program, the Supercharge Your Midlife Transformation. Yes. So my program, uh, I work with women who are largely leaders and high achievers. And typically what happens after the age of 40 frequently is that we notice like, an energy drain. We notice that we just don't have as much energy as we used to. We don't really know why. And one of the reasons is we get out of the habit of revving up that energy and we forget how to rev up that energy. So we work on that. And then we also work on releasing heavy emotional baggage because heavy emotional baggage drains us of energy. Once the women let go of that, they feel so much lighter, so much freer. And then we supercharge confidence. We connect to our magic, the specialness of us. And we move into radiance and we move into courage for sharing our gifts at an even greater level. So I work um, online with the women. I have a, a program that's online, but also we have live classes and live coaching that creates a sisterhood and also uh, further supports the program. Oh, wonderful. Well, so where should listeners go to get more information? They can go to my website, which is maryvassan.com. So that's Mary with an I, M-A-R-I-V-A-S-A-N.com. And for free resources, they can also go to mindgift.org, which is a nonprofit, which I started along with uh, many leaders and uh, top trainers and practitioners in the mental health space in relation to the mental health crisis in this country. Fantastic. I have to ask you a personal question here, and you don't have to answer, but I'm just curious, did hypnosis lead you to pole dancing? <laughs> um, no, it did not lead me okay. to pole dancing, um, but Tony Robbins led me to pole dancing, which uh -huh. is really funny because I was at an event of his, and it was a relationship event, and they had the masculine partners in one room learning self-defense, and then he had the female partners in another room 
learning to move in a feminine way with Sheila Kelly, who then became my teacher. And I just realized, oh my gosh, this is so healthy. This is so freeing and it's so fun and empowering. And yes, I started practicing at 50 and it's one of my favorite things to do. Oh, that's fantastic. It's quite the journey to go from an executive on Wall Street to the work you're doing now, which is benefiting so many people and and the fun parts too, right? So I want to thank you so much for a very informative session with our audience. And it's really been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you, Teresa. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like the Daily Meditation Podcast, Everything Everywhere, and Movie Therapy. We deeply appreciate your support at patreon.com slash a mindful moment. Please be sure to subscribe to A Mindful Moment and follow us on Instagram at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee and or Melissa Sims. The Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.